Hello, people. This is Peter Hurley, and you are listening to the Angry Millennial Podcast here on the Angry Millennial Podcast. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Borrow Lenses. Bring your vision to life with the gear you want when you need it. Don't deplete your resources by investing in gear you may only need once in a while. Instead, grow your business by using high-end gear before you can afford to own it. I know for me, for many years starting out, this is how I got the shots I needed with the glass I couldn't afford at the time. And plus, it's great for trying before you buy. With thousands of rental lenses, cameras, lighting, and all the tools to trade for hobbyists and pros alike. Get to use specialty gear such as underwater cameras or telephoto lenses for that once-in-a-lifetime adventure without a huge investment. You can choose the gear you want, tell them when you want it and for how long, and they'll ship the gear directly to you. You can book far in advance and secure all the gear you'll need. Visit BorrowLenses.com and enter AM10 to redeem your exclusive 10% Angry Millennial discount. What's going on, AM Nation, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Show, where we chat with creatives and entrepreneurs about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, the ugly. Today, we have commercial portrait photographer Dan McClanahan. Dan, thanks for coming out. Hey, thank you. Glad to be here. So listen, first off, congratulations on the new baby girl. Gracias. We've been, I've been loving all the, you know, the fun portraits you guys do together. Uh, I even know right now you have one on on your uh, on your Skype. It's pretty awesome with the matching yes. orange sweatshirts. <laughs> She's my new muse. That is awesome. That's great. That's great. So, I uh, I know last time we spoke um, for the uh, Shimira interview, um, we we talked a lot about like WPPI and that sort of thing. So this year was our our first year doing it, um, and we were kind of heads down. Uh, I literally was running around. Every single hour of every single day we were there. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't get to see half the people I wanted to. Um, did you guys actually end up making it out this year? Or probably or not really because of the, the new baby. Uh, we played hooky. Mm-hmm. I wish we could have been there, but we kind of went cold turkey this year from all conventions. We literally oh, yeah. went been to one, and we normally go to four or five. So oh, wow. it's a big step back, but it's going to make next year much more sweet, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For so sure. Which, so. which are the ones that you guys usually end up going to? Um, well, in the past, I went to about every After Dark education that there ever was. And mm-hmm. then regulars at Imaging USA, and we actually speak there about every other year. Okay. Um, and then we have a state convention in Iowa, which is kind of our home base. It's our crew. Mm-hmm. So that one was actually the saddest to skip, I think. Mm. And then I usually make it out to WPPI also. Okay. Nice. Nice. So tell us about that. Um, tell us a bit about how it all started for you, you know, creatively. What, what came first? <laughs> um, so this reminds me of yesterday. I was at my parents' house mm-hmm. for Easter. My siblings came back in town to meet their niece. And my dad whipped out these old home videos of me when I was like three and five. And I was a weird kid. <laughs> just like dancing crazy and drumming on stuff, pots right. and pans. Just right. being... Being a kid. Really, yeah, being a kid, but way weirder than my siblings. So I kind of <laughs> think it's, it's rooted all the way back to that almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like being creatively brained. And then as I grew older and learned how to channel that, I got into music and then realized I couldn't support a family doing music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of stepped back from that, went to college, discovered photography by happy accident. Um, rediscovered, I guess I should say, because I took a high school photo class and almost failed it. I got a D, um, which I don't think was due to my lack of effort. Right. I think it's just I wasn't the type of learner that the teacher was trying to teach. Right. Um, yeah. 
and I wasn't conforming to the assignments. So that was my first exploration with the craft, and it was a little discouraging. So I didn't revisit it until close to the end of college. Nice. Um, I took a class with a really cool dude named Dennis Chamberlain, who won Pulitzer Prize for photojournalism in Poland. Oh, wow. He's lived all over Europe and stuff. And now he teaches at Iowa State. Um, so I took his class, and he saw potential in me. Mm-hmm. And he took me in his office, gave me the talk. He's like, I think you should consider doing this. And that was what I needed. I needed someone to believe in me to re-pursue something I had previously failed Like you said, especially because of how horribly the first one went. And And at the time, I don't know how much I particularly cared about how horrible it went at that time in my life. But it was enough to discourage me from... Yeah, whether you knew it or not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. So, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of times, um, people, you know, when you, when you think of the people that you have who, who teach you, it's unfortunate to say, uh, more times than not, that's one of the things that people, young people struggle with is they might see their professor and go like, Oh, who's this guy? You know? Um, but if you can say, Oh, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning <laughs> photojournalist, like, you better shut the fuck up and actually listen to what this guy's telling you. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of helps, you know, um, that you, that you kind of see this, okay, well he has credibility to his name and, or their name. And, um, and it, it kind of makes you kind of, you know, straighten up a little bit and say, all right, I should, you know, I should really uh, take heed. So that's pretty neat. So he pulled you aside um, and said, listen, you should, you should really consider uh, doing this. Um, so t- tell us about like how, how that went after that experience, you know, was it like then you were all in, um so that's when the fun part kind of takes off i was a writer that was my degree Mm -hmm. um and then senior year i switched to visual communication Mm -hmm. as a sub emphasis in journalism so i was working for newspapers and magazines nice all kind of small town iowa variations Yeah. yeah and then graduated in 2008 got married to my dream girl and the economy totally crapped out Mm. so our plans imploded um, we had gone out to Denver and she had a job lined up and I had met with a bunch of magazines I was going to potentially freelance for, but she was going to be the sugar mama for a while mm-hmm. until I could get off the ground because I was still very, very early in my growth, I guess. Right. So yeah. we ended up staying in Ames, Iowa, mm-hmm. which is a town of about 60,000 people, half of which are college students. Oh, wow. So it's small, but it's got a way cool vibe. Um, it's where I grew up, so I always wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how it always but goes, right? Then, exactly. And then after leaving a couple times, I realized how awesome it actually is. So we decided to take my dream, I guess, of photographing commercial and editorial style, everybody's dream when they're starting, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and just apply that same style and shoot the same way, only within our local market. Because we love our community and we love our town and we needed to find a way to take what I wanted to do and meet the needs of what people wanted to pay for. Right. So we came up with this idea for the studio and that was 2009 and now we're rolling. So it was a rough ride getting it off the ground. We had to, we lived with my grandparents for a while to save money so we could rent a studio space and then gradually upgraded and upgraded and now, within the last couple of years, we bought a historic building in the downtown district. Oh, wow. So nice. technically have two companies, the photo studio, and then I'm a landlord property manager, and I have nine tenants. Oh, wow. So I have a studio, and we live in an apartment in the building, and then we rent out the rest of it. So we're kind of in the process of flipping this 100-year-old brick monstrosity wow. that we're madly in love with. And then... The photography, fortunately, is steady now without me having to try too hard. Right. So I can kind of just work hard when I'm at work, but I don't have to burn the midnight oil trying to figure out ways to market myself and get in front of people right, anymore. Right. And that's, that's, is, a, that's a good place to be, you know? Yeah. It, uh, especially when you when you start having kids and that kind of thing and, and you, you know, that, that all plays into it whether you like to admit it or not, you know? And, and, and that can be a pretty, a pretty burdensome, stressful thing that yeah. sucks when you're really trying to, as you are, uh, just enjoy having this new person in your life, you know? And that was partially planned. I mean, we intentionally held off for a while mm-hmm. 
until we were able to like buy them shoes and be <laughs> present parents and all that yeah. fun stuff. Yeah. So. Nice. Nice. So you, like you said, you already kind of, you, you came out in a time and I graduated around the same time. So I graduated in 06 and then I went back to school and graduated again in 08 uh, in, from grad school. So, so we're, we're pretty close in that, in that mentality of we graduated and, and we're like, Oh shit, now what, you know? Uh, <laughs> exactly. And, you, you know, you definitely took, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. I moved back in my parents and, and, you know, and saved money and tried to figure out what was next, you know, and you did the same thing with your grandparents. Think, and Yeah. Most of my friends did too. Yeah. Yeah. It was no shame in that. No, exactly. And that was the thing was like, I remember my parents, my dad used to show me these articles in the New York times about how many people in our generation were, were doing that. And he's like, you know, it's all right. You're not the only one. And I remember at the time and still was, I was like, that doesn't make me feel any better. You know, like you could tell me a million people are, are, are feeling the same thing I am. I still am in it, you know, like it still sucks for me and me alone, you know? Um, and, uh, but at the same time it was, you know, we knew that it was a bigger problem than just, you know, pointing and blaming yourself, you know? And, but you guys were smart. You guys were smart and you saved money and you went all in on the, you know, the photography thing. Cause like a lot of times we know when, when the opportunities aren't there and we sit there and say, uh, you know, what, what are we going to do? Either, either complain about it or bitch about it or, you know, get sad or we can just, you know, pull ourselves up and make our own, make our own opportunities, you know, and make it happen. And you guys definitely did that. I mean, you just said it with <laughs> few people can say, not only did they start something and went all in, but they also now first, like one of the first thing they did was they bought a building. I mean, for a lot of people, you can imagine the initial struggle is like, renting places dealing with landlords dealing with um you know rent yeah. getting hiked up and then all of a sudden you got to move to a new studio and you got to keep finding something that you really feel comfortable in uh so that's a pretty smart investment you guys made yeah and we did it prematurely according to our financial plan mm -hmm. but the guy we were renting from he was a really cool dude we were quite lucky with him but his wife passed away oh, man, uh, he was an older guy and he wanted to sell the building move closer to his grandparents. And another guy was looking at the building mm -hmm. who was also a photographer and he was planning to kick us out and take our space. Oh, wow. Which is a sweet loft with north window light and all that stuff. Oh, wow. So we worked it out. The mortgage is about the same as our two rents were. Mm -hmm. so we were renting an apartment and a studio both for like $1,000 a month each. Mm -hmm. So financially it hasn't changed a lot other than now we have a lot more responsibility and eventually we'll have a big building we can live off of right. as a retirement place. Yeah, so for sure. It, it seemed logical. We didn't want to lose our space. We'd finally gotten set up after busting our butts to get situated the way we wanted. So mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to lose that, even if it meant committing to being here long-term because now we're stuck with the building. So, <laughs> But like you said, it, it, when, I think after a few years, uh, once you get into the swing of things and monetarily really get in the swing of things, <clears throat> excuse me you can then just take on someone to kind of help you with that you know and, and it becomes more of a hands-off uh kind of thing where it's just a nice asset you have not like something you're literally breaking your back over every single day yeah and i think diversification is very wise mm -hmm. particularly in right now the photo market I believe it's doing very well, but it's changing so rapidly, it could potentially turn into something I'm not in love with anymore. Right. And in that case, I'd have something else I could shift to because right. I own. Yeah, no, for sure. This thing. So speaking so. of that, um, I know a lot of what, and correct me if I'm wrong, got you started was like senior portraits, right? Yeah, and I'm still doing that. Yeah, so you're still doing that. So tell me a bit about what you, <clears throat> you're doing right now within your career. So I know... Um, last we spoke, it was, you were getting more into like commercial, um, uh, work and portraits and stuff for bigger clients, uh, um, and some more agency work, but what, what did you continue yourself? Do you continue, do you see yourself continuing to do senior portraits for the rest of your career? Um, or maybe kind of phasing it out, moving on entirely like you do with weddings. Um, just tell me a bit through what, what's going on right now. Yeah. So <laughs> right now I'm kind of lacking specific vision but <laughs> i have some avenues i could pursue right i'm um 
in communication with some bigger commercial clients. And I'm hoping that that might continue to take off to the point where I could work less and get paid more. Yeah. We, from we all want that, right? Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ideally, I'd just be a stay-at-home dad if I could figure out how to get paid for that. But um, Seniors, okay, so here's the thing. You can mm-hmm. do a commercial shoot with these paid models that their job is to be beautiful right. and it's almost kind of easy. Yeah. And the product has a very short shelf life and a high impact. But then, for example, a high school senior client you have a very small demographic that you're reaching with the imagery, but they're going to value it for a much longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a different thing because they're not paid models. A lot of times they come in not fully confident in who they are yet. They're still figuring oh, yeah. themselves out. Yeah. They're still they're very awkward, influential awkward yeah. Yeah, or influenceable. Yeah. So the rewarding part of the job for me is taking, say, a 17-year-old girl that lacks Mm self-esteem and giving her an experience that can give her a lot of self-worth nice through the process so So it's partially experience and then partially really excited to be photographed typically so if i want to do something cool i can just take the time to do it and they'll be into it Mm -hmm. and they're a lot easier subjects to coax often right so it's fun from a creative standpoint that way because they have energy that i can feed off of and then i can do crazy lighting setups and try whatever I want within the constraints of them being my subject. Right. So it's kind of rewarding in the same way that commercial work is. Yeah, it's like, except arguably more valuable in the long term, at least for the client, right. which is kind of cool. Right. And like you said, it's you have the the fulfilling, empowering portion of it that that is kind of dual benefit, right? Like you're helping them and you enjoy the fact that you're helping them. And then yes. you have the ability that when you develop that rapport with them to say, all right, let's let's take some some swings and try some some cool stuff in terms of lighting. And and you don't have the familiar pressure of a commercial job, you know, where you. Can, yeah, you don't have the art director mm-hmm. looming over your shoulder and the time frame and the specific composition that you have to work within and all that stuff. Right, so. right. So that's, that's pretty neat. So, But I love. I love the other side too, mm-hmm. so that's why I'm still romancing both right now. No, I remember what you told me when we did that uh, that Shamira interview. One of the coolest things that stood out to me was uh, you looked at commercial works. So you're a big lighting geek, and we're going to get into a little bit about um, you know how that how that kind of kind of started. But you, you know, you recently um, you recently kind of said okay it, i get the lighting i'm really good at it i'm always trying to hone my craft and you looked at commercial work like you or were and from blitterness tell me you were what was it you were uh giving life to dead spaces so it wasn't necessarily as much okay your main light and and how you lit your subject was one part of it but your background and all the other elements within the photo you would look at okay i need to create depth and create shape and and emotion in these essentially kind of kind of like you said dead spaces yeah or at least dead photographically that's what a lot of my commercial work lately has been mm-hmm. for various departments within Iowa state and it's these big old buildings excuse me i just did a shoot in the power plant that's 150 years old oh wow cool it's really dark and flickery fluorescent lights kind of like a beautiful horror film <laughs> but we had to make it look Awesome. Yeah. So it ended up being a lot of light painting from a tripod with a single pro photo B1, Mm -hmm. like walking around the room Mm -hmm. to sculpt this land space and make it super dimensional. Nice. And then you shoot the subjects within that. So it gets pretty complex. Um, But definitely, I guess I have some other clients that are architecture Mm -hmm. firms, and I do a lot of portraiture within spaces that they design. So the spaces looking good is just as important. Right. It's the people looking right, and yeah, and people don't realize it, especially when, even when you shoot just interiors in general. Uh, for a lot of people starting out, when you're doing like real estate, yeah, it's just natural light, and maybe you'll you'll balance out the windows, and that's about it. But when you get into the commercial side of it, oh, it's like you know, ten to twelve lights, lighting an entire room, lighting different, uh, like you said, different parts of the uh, structure that are uh, stylistically very very important to an architect. Um, that all that stuff really you, you get it gets it gets to be a big production you know and people don't realize that and it's uh it gets to be a pretty pretty big 
job to take on. Yeah. It's pretty fun though too. Yeah, no, to for get sure. To do that. And especially like you said, if, if you, if you're looking at it from the mindset of it's um, you know, it's, it's, it's getting to play with light and it's getting to, to kind of sculpt spaces the way you want. I mean, that, that's pretty neat. Uh, I think for a lot of people, they, they either kind of skew one side or the other, right? So they like the artistic, uh, you know, emotional side of the photography or they're complete gearheads and love the lighting, love geeking out, but they don't necessarily connect well with their subjects. Uh, yes. So it's, it's hard to find that, to strike that kind of balance that you're doing. So that's pretty neat. So speaking of your lighting, uh, I know when we first met, you spoke about your first big break. Uh, with your alma mater, uh, uh, Iowa State, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, alma mater, sorry. I was saying, man, it's tell mater. So <laughs> the job you initially took, I mean, let's chat about kids. that. I forgive you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that, okay. So I started the studio mm-hmm. and I didn't have a direction yet. So I was shooting anything people would pay me for. Right. Like take a picture of my dog. Right. Take a picture of my flowers, whatever. Right. Um, but that wasn't, my dream. So I was, I started doing all this networking, trying to pitch myself to agencies mm-hmm. to get my foot in the door so I could start going down that path. And I met with five and I think it took a year from those meetings before one of them actually threw me a bone. Okay. Yeah. Um, and during the meetings, I'd be like, this is what I have. This is what I can do. What do you see lacking in my portfolio that would be of benefit to you? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would go home and shoot that stuff and then follow up to prove that I can do it really wanted to work with them. Yeah. So I finally got this bone. This agency was doing a special edition poster for a player named Craig Brackens, who I believe is in the NBA now. Oh, wow. He was our star at the time. And they wanted to do this dunk sequence across the court, and they contacted me, and they're like, you think you could do this? And I said, heck yes, of course I could do it. <laughs> Easy peasy. And then hung up, and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> I have no idea how to do that. Yeah. But I had two weeks to figure it out. Um, so in, in come all the friends else. and favors and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the big thing was just figuring out how I was going to light it. Cause I was still fairly new to lighting mm-hmm. at the time. I just bought a couple alien bees used on eBay <laughs> per recommendation of Dave Hill. Oh, nice. I got we'll, we'll get into that he told me white, white lightnings, but I couldn't afford those. Yeah, so yeah. two alien bees and ended up shooting an HDR background from a tripod. And then I had to move my lights between, between takes each between photo shot. Yeah. Guy. So I think that image is on my website if anyone wants to see it. But it's um, eight or ten hymns kind of starting from half court and running in and doing an epic slam dunk. Nice. And they're all stitched together. And he's lit with the edgy rim light, which is a lot more common now. But at the time, it was a pretty... It was groundbreaking. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and then I spent days in Photoshop figuring out how to put it together because that was new to me also. Mm. I just knew I needed to do a really good job. Yeah. And then I did. And now I have that entire account to create all the materials for that basketball team each year through myself instead of through the agency. Nice. So it's one of my bigger annual projects, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I saw the ones you did it all, recently, right? With um, with uh, obviously March Madness now in full effect and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You did the um, kind of posters and stuff like that as well recently? So I get hired to make schedule poster and a team poster right. every year mm-hmm. and I get the guys to come to my studio for like one afternoon and this year I milked that time and shot a bunch of bonus content oh, for sweet. myself nice and I use those images so a lot of what you've probably been seeing go online is just stuff I've made mm-hmm. for fun to hone my photoshop skills and to excite my fellow cyclone fans because I love the team and I want them to do well yeah. and it's kind of a pay it forward like make this cool stuff and then people become aware that I exist and then maybe they'll be more likely to hire me right, yeah, type of thing. Yeah. But I'll post something and then Iowa State will repost it and it'll get like 10,000 likes wow, on their repost. Nice. They'll shout me out in the post. So every time I post something, I know they repost it when I get 50 new Instagram followers. That's sweet. In nice. an app, can't can't like hate that. that. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's been an experiment and a lot of fun too yeah. because... It's the level of stuff I hope to produce for money someday, but uh-huh. for now, it's making it. Yeah. So. so let's talk about that real quick because that's something that, let's be honest, we hit, we and especially you, if you had a little bit of, of uh, schooling at the college level on this, it it's um 
it's uh it's kind of a mixed bag that people say if you get an opportunity a lot and I was just I'm the same way and and I'm recently I've been trying to reinvigorate that in, in my own work and and stuff like that is is when you get an opportunity just fucking take it you know and if you don't know what to do figure it out you know and it's very yeah. much so learning on the job now a lot of people will tell you that's the quickest way to ruin your career right um so let, <laughs> it depends on how well you exactly figure it out. exactly um and and what's like well for instance let's just say i picked up a camera in week two i wanted to shoot a wedding all right that to me is you know a bit different um like we all know irresponsible exactly perhaps. irresponsible for what is supposedly or should be the one day in someone's life that they want to uh, remember so to me that's that's a little bit different but um you know, you said it, you, you didn't know Photoshop, you didn't know lighting that well, you didn't know kind of storyboarding and how you would do this yet. You said, yeah, sure, I can do it. And it, it, a lot of times I think that it's that leap of faith, you know, that for a lot of us um, is what propels us to that next level. Right. So you, you kind of were doing it with the, with the, um with your book in terms of the agencies. A lot of people tell you, well, just like, the, the you know the age old saying um dress for the job you want not the job you have right so a lot of people will say okay shoot for the jobs you want not the jobs you're getting uh yeah in terms i'm better of, at the shooting part than the dressing part right. <laughs> right and and you were doing it you know so like early on you said it, it took like a year you know we, we recently we went to the ppi and we talked to um you know, uh, Alexis Quaresma and who else was it that was talking about? Oh, uh, Zach Sutton, who was on one of the original episodes at PPE last year uh, and came back on. And they both talked about, you know, that patience you have to have, you know, and it's it's frustrating sometimes, you know. And Alexis, for instance, was trying to get a cover of Sports Illustrated. And he knew all the right people. They liked him. They liked his work. But it just wasn't working, you know? So every couple months, he'd, he'd, he'd shoot stuff and send it to them. And they'd say, Alexis, this is great, but we're not interested. You know, keep keep going, you know, keep keep shooting. And he would keep doing it. And it took three and a half years before he was able to get his first gig at Sports Illustrated. And then it was like two and a half years. And that's one of the... Yeah. That's a pinnacle dream job, too. Exactly. That's the kind of thing. You know? And he ended expected up... expected that you'll have to be patient for exactly. it. Exactly. And he ended up getting uh, a, his first cover, you know? And and since then has done a lot of work for them and and did the um if you've seen the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team with all the the kind of uh, uh color I'm horrible at words like the color bombs the color smoke bombs um yeah so he 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 did all that stuff and and it's you know it's awesome. yeah it's great and uh, he you know he tells you he's like you know that that took you know he's like, you got to talk about patience you know he's like and it was fucking frustrating you know he's like because imagine. When then, when you're basically saying to yourself, okay, I, I know I'm good. They like me, but it's still not working. You know, half the time, like we know, it's, it's getting those contacts that could take three years. And, and yep. you know what I mean? Especially if there's somebody else doing it that they're happy with. Exactly. And Right now, you don't really have a chance until they either screw up or move on. Yeah, exactly. So, so imagine that. Imagine feeling like you're, you're that much closer and tasting it, right? And you're like, now I know the person. Now they know them. They answer my emails. They answer my phone calls. They like me. They know me. And I'm still not getting it. He's like, it was, it was tough. Um, but then he ended up getting work with like HBO and shot um, uh, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. And those are really big you know, pieces in his portfolio. And, uh, and with Zach, it was the same thing, but with him, it was for all these sponsors he has. So he's like, he's sponsored by pro photo and, uh, and a bunch of other companies. And he does a lot of workshops and stuff like that. And he tells me, he's like, yeah, it just doesn't happen. He's like, it literally takes like years of coming to these things, meeting people, you know, going to networking events, going to the after parties and, and just putting in, putting in the time, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and also making sure that your work doesn't suck. You know, so yeah. it's always, like you said, always redefining your book, always honing your craft and that kind of stuff. And, and, um, like you said, for a lot of people, they, they don't, they don't like, they don't do that. They take, try and they try and take a lot more mitigated, safe risk. And I'll be honest, I was that way for a long time. Um, but it's like you said, it's when you kind of say, 
fuck it, I can do this. You know, I'm going to figure it out. I don't know right now, but I'm going to figure it out and, and look where it got you, you know? And I think it's um, our culture right now is kind of like the easy button. Nobody wants to take the long road right, yeah. to get to anything. And a lot of people look at people that are successful and think that that just happened because they're talented, mm-hmm. which I don't particularly believe in. I think that some people might have more of an inclination for learning a certain skill set, but everybody has to put in the time. Right. Like the, what's the name of the book? The 10,000 Hours yeah. Project. Yeah. And they studied all these people that are masters of their crafts. Mm-hmm. And they all practiced 10,000 hours before they mastered it. And then they keep learning beyond that yeah. forever. And then, and then but, you think about like, you know, speaking of basketball, right? Like you see what, uh, what Stephen Curry's doing these days. And they're saying he's mm-hmm. the next Michael Jordan. You know, and he, and I remember he's crazy. he said, he goes, what's, you know, what's your end goal? He's like, I want to be better than Michael Jordan. I want to be the greatest basketball player of all time. And people all of a sudden got up in arms, right? How, how you can't say that. Da, 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 da. And he goes, I'm confused. <laughs> Blasphemy. Yeah, I'm confused. Shouldn't that be every single person's goal who plays in the NBA? And it's not going to happen until he stars in a movie that's equal to or greater than <laughs> Space, Space Jam. Jam. <laughs> but, but when you think about it, when he when I heard that, I was like, "Oh wow, that's true." Like, think about it. What's yeah. what's wrong with having a scary goal? You know. And guess what? Like you said, the ten thousand hours. He he always said, "Be the hardest working person in the room." That's the only way you're going to guarantee that you're going to have a great level of success is always be the hardest person working. And 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 if you're not, if you see someone who's out there and they're working harder and they're putting in more hours, they're going to get it. So what are you going to do? All right, work harder. Mm-hmm. You know and 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 like you said, especially when you get to a certain level, keep working. You know, like everyone loves Michael Jordan. So you hear about those quotes and he talks about not about all the games he won, all the rings he has and all the game winning shots. He talks about all the ones he missed and all the ones he was given the chance to win the game and lost. And, you know, and those are the things that that strike out with him. And I remember hearing about how, uh, you know, when he would when he would be at practice if he hated one part of his, his, his game, he would do that for an entire practice, you know, whether it was free throws or whatever, um, because he always wanted to be working on his weaknesses more than his strengths. And that for a lot of people, that's tough, you know? Yes. They, they, they say, especially nowadays, people go, okay, bet on your strengths. But I think that is true for like maybe business and stuff. But I think for sports, it's a bit of the opposite because if people find your weakness, you're fucked, right? If they know, oh, you can't go to your left, well, they're going to always take you to your left, and then you're you're gonna they're going to see a huge hole in your game, you know, yep. um, or or whatever. That's a good sport. point. You know what I mean? So so it's it's a bit more of a uh, let's just say I don't want to wait to war, but in reality, it's a bit more uh, dire, and people are always looking for the tiniest little thing they can exploit. Um, so speaking of that, right. Taking some big swings. I know one of the things you told me about was how you ended up talking with Dave Hill, who for all we know, remember the flicker days, people all remember the Dave Hill effect and the, mm-hmm. you know, the reason I spent a lot of time trying to figure that exactly. out before I realized it is not Photoshop. Exactly. And I think a lot of people, uh, we all fell for that. Right. Um, but at the same time, what I thought was interesting was if you look at his work now, right compared to that again it's completely different and and i think just when he was hitting that height of you know literally having something called the dave hill effect and and all that kind of stuff he was already kind of starting to 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 transition his book away from that kind of stuff um but how how did that come about how did you end up chatting with him um i kind of just got lucky that was that first semester Mm -hmm. when i was started doing photo and we had an assignment to interview a working photographer and I wasn't really familiar with any except the ones I saw in the music magazines that I subscribed to. Right. And he was shooting a bunch of cool composite stuff for um, alternative press mm-hmm. at the time. And those were the first images that made me go, whoa, this medium is kind of awesome. Right. So I looked him up. His cell phone number and his email address were on his website because <laughs> he didn't have an agent yet. So I just called him. Nice. And then he was willing to talk to me for a bit and gave me what I needed for my paper. And then... Chatted on Instant Messenger a few times after that and gave me some advice on gear and whatnot when I was first purchasing things. Nice. You guys, you so guys still have a, a, any kind of a communication or relationship? Um, no, I haven't logged into AOL Instant Messenger for like <laughs> many, many years. Right. But that's what it was through. Right. And now, you know, 
I know what it's like to be busy and have a bunch of people right. want your time. Mm-hmm. So I'm wary of abusing that mm-hmm. type of thing. Like I, he was kind to me and I appreciate it, but I don't expect him to remember that particularly or me anything beyond that. Right, you know? right, yeah. So uh, speaking of staying busy and that kind of thing, what would you, what's like kind of the biggest things you've got in the pipeline that you can, you can talk about? Um, I'm going to the White Sand Dunes National Park. Oh, cool. With, with some folks that I used to be involved in After Dark with. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to shoot for fun. Nice. Essentially bring some former seniors or people that we know that would be interesting subjects and just hang out, which is going to be extremely therapeutic for me mm-hmm. since I haven't gotten to partake in that in quite a while. In a while, skipped all, yeah. All the conventions. So that will be sweet. I get a lot of uh, emotional and technical or photography-based high from hanging out with peers that I respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. Um, I'm in negotiations with the bids out for a couple larger commercial jobs that would be like rebranding casinos and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Uh, so my fingers are crossed. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've made bids that were in that level of dollar right. amount with assistance. Right. Where literally when you, when you hit send, you get this like kind of churning in your stomach. Yeah. <laughs> Or I sent it to all of my mentors right. before I sent it to the client to be right. like, "Is this okay? Yeah. Do you <laughs> I see did me what just... photo quote said?" But... Yeah, <laughs> you're like, I feel like uh, this is. I just want to double check because this is something that the second I hit send, I'm I'm going to be sick to my stomach. <laughs> yeah. So they're yeah. still figuring stuff out on their end, and they gave me positive feedback. It's a new agency. Nice. Uh, it'll be out of state work plus some in state work. Which oh, okay. Is a new step for me. Um, and then April 1st is mm-hmm. the date we release all of our senior sessions for the coming year. Mm-hmm. And this year we're only going to have 40 available. Mm-hmm. So typically all the people that contact us prior to April 1st, we just keep their contact info and then contact them on that date. And the whole day is just on the phone and emailing and booking dates. And it's kind of a rush. And mm-hmm. then my summer is half full after April 1st. Wow. So getting ready for that right now too. And then otherwise, I've been thinking a lot less about career recently (laughs) with the newborn. Right, Um, right. I gave myself mental permission that it's okay to step back Mm -hmm. a little and just kind of enjoy this year and still work hard when I have to work. But, you know, what's the Thor calls it in Avengers 2? The revels. (laughs) You need to have revels after you win a victory. And I feel like I've just put in seven years of really hard work. So it's okay yeah. to revel. Yeah, a little for bit. sure. Like, but I just don't want to get lazy. You know, exactly. Exactly. So how is, and I guess that was my next question was like, how has that kind of changed your viewpoint? Um, and I think you said it, you know, like taking a step back, uh, realizing that that family, especially now it's, it's, it's legit, you know, it's not just you and your wife, it's, it's you, your wife and a little person. And, uh, but that, that makes you do kind of a, a gut check, you know, and say, Hey, look, let me, let me make it a point to enjoy this time to re cause you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I've been in uh, my kids lives now almost four or five years. And yeah, like I said, we used to look at pictures and I'm like, wait, I knew when they were five and now they're 11, what the hell is going on? You know? And, <laughs> and it, it just flew by and we look at pictures and all that stuff and we all get like weepy and I'm like, Oh, they're going up so fast, but it's true. Um, yeah. You know, I remember when my nieces were born and now they're 11 too. And uh, my nephews and all that. So I think it is really important, like you said, that you take the time out and uh, and just just kind of be be present, be in the moment and realize that all the other stuff will, will still be there, you know. Very true. So you're in a smaller market of, with Iowa and especially Ames, like you said. Uh, with your work so do you was that i know uh, obviously um for you guys it was it was kind of a a culmination of a bunch of different things that that made you guys stay and you were looking at denver and 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 relocating somewhere but but now that you're there do you see kind of like big fish in a little pond kind of as as a goal you want to have in in your market um i would say that that is kind of already the case Mm -hmm. and to be honest with you, I'm very content with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I used to have a lot loftier dreams, but right. I've come to terms with the fact that I have clients 
they're really cool. They value what I do and I get to do something I love for a job. And that's beyond what most people in the world can say. That's true. So I'm very blessed in that regard. Um, and I do want to keep pushing myself and try and grow and potentially get bigger clients a commercial end. But mm-hmm. maintaining what I've built within my community is a priority for sure. Yeah. So I yeah. will just keep doing it and keep trying to do better at it within the constraints of time that we now have mm-hmm. upon us. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting. There are a ton of people, obviously, in my town that are photographers or that are senior photographers specifically. Um, but I've learned not to view any of them as competition and to kind of just focus on my own thing and create the product that I believe in, mm-hmm. which is more produced and there's a lot more involved in it than what most of my peers, peers yeah. are mm-hmm. doing. So I don't view it as the same product, even though on paper it's called the same thing. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. No, for sure. I mean, like you said, it's, it's, uh, it's the the difference is, and you said it. I, I was the same way. I never really viewed anyone as competition. It was the exact opposite. I mean, you, you said it with like Dave and all them. They they could be technically competition, but but instead, I just look at them like they're peers. And if you just hang out and and yeah, you know, shoot the shit and and spitball ideas and and work through issues together, then you're all the much more stronger for it. Instead of just being the local person who's bitter, who who just you know is like get away you're my competition and it's just a very narrow-minded way of thinking Um, i think part of that bitterness is rooted in maybe a generation gap also yeah yeah when i started i reached out to all of the established studios via email just to be like hey this is what i'm going to try to do and literally no one responded because i was wanting to meet up and have coffee and Mm -hmm. be peers versus competition and some people were pretty awkward about it and weren't able to get over that um so i've learned from that to not be that way yeah yeah for sure because like you said i mean if you looked at it like instead what if you did like a ames uh you know senior portrait photographer meetup you know you're at your space you have a huge space Mm -hmm. and imagine if you made one whole section of it dedicated to live you know uh, meetups and groups and stuff like that i think that'd be huge you know and yeah and uh i've I've tried that a couple times mm -hmm. it's like once a year type of thing Mm -hmm. i'll have a photo night and then that way i can congregate all the people that individually message me questions and just mm-hmm. give them all a tour and get to know them too because they're doing cool stuff that is yeah. beyond me a yeah. lot of times and and like so you the said, more you yeah. the more you give back the more you learn also oh for sure totally you know like i, I tell people all the time when i started teaching and doing one-on-one workshops and that kind of stuff it made me a better photographer for that reason and, mm-hmm. and like you know when you're going through things that you could do with your eyes closed it doesn't matter you're always going to learn something you know, uh, going through it for the hundredth time. Um, I always learn something because people, either the way they ask questions or the way they frame things or the, even the way I'm explaining it might change. Um, and a lot of times when you're doing the work, those decisions are subconscious and you just follow your mm-hmm. gut. Yeah. And by having to explain them to someone else, it forces you to actually think about why you're doing what you're doing, at least for me. Yeah, no, you, you said it. A lot it's of that like, growth a great way of looking at it. You know, like you said, a lot of it is in your head where you just you just act. And then when you it's kinda like when you ask someone, how do you get somewhere? <laughs> and they, they know how to just drive there, but when they have to ask you where to turn and what the name of roads are, you go, Oh shit. Oh, what is the <laughs> name? You know, and like they, it's yeah. Thank God for Siri, sure. right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, thank God for Google Maps and, and Waze <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> um so I know you mentioned a little bit a go with the with the white sand dunes and stuff but are there any personal projects you're working on and and kind of what are your thoughts on personal projects as a whole so i just wrapped up some of those pieces for iowa state basketball mm-hmm. and i have i have a list on my desktop in a note with a few rough sketches which are incomprehensible to anyone besides me because i can't draw worth crap <laughs> but when i get time or sometimes when i'm feeling like i've been working in the grind too much and mm-hmm. i need a recharge i'll tackle one of those yeah Uh, i'm sure that rate at which i tackle them will slow down now that i have a child but i plan to still do that and Mm -hmm. i kind of build that into my workflow even like sometimes i'll schedule a day yeah just to do a shoot so actually i have one tomorrow it's just a guy that works at this pizza shop Mm -hmm. it's a block away and he is super cool looking and he's really nice um very square-faced African-American 
male and he moved to LA mm-hmm. a while ago to pursue acting and now he's actually kind of blowing up and I was kicking myself for never photographing him while I had the chance mm-hmm. because my town and my neighborhood very much is same looking so mm-hmm. getting someone that has a striking look and a cool yeah. character about them doesn't come along very often so I messaged him and he's back in town right now so he's actually going to come over oh, nice. tomorrow at three and I have no idea what we're going to make but I've done this a couple times in the past and it right. always is worthwhile because you get to know someone and hear their stories mm-hmm. and create something that's not preconceived, yeah. um, which is kind of fun to do too. Aside from my list is just go into a situation with somebody and no ideas and see what happens. Right. Yeah. And like and you I've said, got it's a, a collaboration of it. I've got a huge library of stuff I've shot for potential composite pieces and backgrounds. And a lot of my personal work has been composite based Especially in the winter in Iowa, you can't really shoot anything when it's yeah. 10 below yeah. outside. So I'll shoot people in the studio and build stuff out of nice. other stuff I've shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so I'm awesome. sure that skill set is going to come in handier in the future mm-hmm. even than it does right now. So No, for sure, for sure. But I think it's pursuing personal work is essential to staying on top of your game Yeah, in this industry. Yeah, at least to a certain degree, the balance is probably different for everybody. Um, right. But if you're if you're creating what somebody else wants you to create, you can only do that for so long without interjecting mm-hmm. your self in there. Yeah, and you crack. said it. It's it's uh, it's tough to then say uh, that yeah that you'd be able to uh, sustain that and be realistically happy. You know, uh, don't get me wrong there's money makes every world go around and you need money and you need paying clients but <clears throat> when you're like you said you're pursuing their vision not your own it, you, you you're you you in terms of your happiness becomes like a, a secondary thing um and that's not great either so the last few questions we're, we're getting ready to wrap up and we had some great stuff so the last few are going we're going to go a little deep all right so um we're going to keep these to about like a minute or two a piece in terms of responses. Um, so what would you say is the biggest risk you've taken in your artistic career? Whoa. All right. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, like I said, we're, we're going in. No, I think the biggest risk is just the fact that I did this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say like the 2009 quitting my part-time IT job at the clinic where I was working and going all in with photo was the biggest risk. I haven't done anything nearly that scary or all in since then. I've just been pursuing the same risk. So that was the dive. And now I just keep swimming deeper and hope I don't run out of oxygen. <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. <laughs> so um, what would you say is your biggest fear creatively? Um, I have the same fear that I think we all do of... Mm-hmm. My stuff sucking <laughs> and people not liking it. Right. Because uh, ultimately that's where the validation for what we create comes from is through relationships because it's a form of communicating. Mm-hmm. And I think for creatives, we are creatives because we can't communicate what we want to through other, other channels. Right, other mediums, yeah. We yeah, have to use sure. art is the socially acceptable form of expression and communication. So... um of course, I'm, I'm like a kindergartner. I create something, and that's where my wife comes in super handy because she does all of our sales at the studio. Mm-hmm. And if I did that and someone was like, oh, your picture's so pretty, I would just want to give it to them so they could tape it on their fridge, like a kindergarten <laughs> picture. <laughs> so she's the mediator. I make the work, and right. then she, gets, she's like, stop she it, sees stop, the value stop. in it. They, yeah, pay. Exactly. they pay for that. Stop. <laughs> so that's something that never goes away, I right. think. Yeah. Obviously, I have a lot of confidence in my skill set now and I'm consistent in my work, but I'm drinking pop. I'm burping (laughs) just like my child. Sorry. Um, I haven't thrown up yet though. Yeah. I don't think that ever goes away. That fear. Right. Um, It it gets smaller and doesn't influence you as much, but Mm -hmm. still I don't have a lot of experiences where people aren't happy with what I've done. Right. But when I do, it's, a crushing feeling. Oh so. yeah, fucking hits you right in the gut. You know what I mean? It's and, and yeah. you said it. I mean, it's uh, 
It's and what's great is this next question. Well, one of the next questions is going to really kind of test that theory of yours. But it, yeah, it, uh, it, it is kind of that thing where a lot of what we do is is for others, or at least for others to understand. And if they don't see what we see, you know, time and time and time and time again, I mean, shit. You can, yeah, you can imagine it would be, it would kind of be like starting all over again, you know, um, and being that college kid who just likes to take pictures, and then you have to get to that point again where you find people who want to pay you, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be that'd be interesting to redo that in your middle of your career. But so going deep, even deeper, name your most meaningful moment in your career thus far. I got to grab my oxygen tank real quick. <laughs> um, that's a tough question because a lot of. So for me, the most meaningful thing is the fact that I've built this studio and it's operational and successful. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of a lame answer. So I guess professionally being validated by my peers. Um, so I've been competing in PPA's print competition mm-hmm. since about 2010, I think. Um, and it's, as far as I understand, the biggest print competition in the world because there's like 52 countries. Oh, wow. And you, um, WPPI is a big one for weddings, but for seniors and other genres, I mm-hmm. guess, PPA is kind of the epitome of going head-to-head. So last year, um, my case did super well. And I ended up getting first and second place in the world, according to PPA, in the senior portrait category. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. So I just found that out a couple months ago. Um, And then next year at Imaging, my wife and I will both be getting our degrees from PPA, which is pretty cool because it takes a lot of work and persistence in competing and failing and competing and failing and giving back to the industry in a certain amount, mm-hmm. and you earn merits, and then you can get a degree. So I actually got my master's in the same class as country superstar Kenny Rogers a couple <laughs> years ago, which is funny because I don't know anything about him really, but my grandma right. thinks he's cool, so <laughs> she was excited by that sentiment. Right. Um, so I guess keep I'm going to keep pushing myself in that regard, but that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I had no idea that I was even in the running for winning that. And then mm-hmm. I wasn't actually there because we were having a baby, but all my friends were texting me and messaging me and sending videos from the ceremony that I wasn't at, but it was pretty rad. That's awesome. It's kind of like the Oscars for photographers. Well, you've yeah. been to WPPI. Yeah. Imaging is similar, a um, mm-hmm. little different feel, but thousands of people in tuxedos and oh, wow. fancy dresses and stuff nice. and then giving out these trophies and that's pretty great. wild. That's no great. one outside of the photo industry cares at all, but <laughs> yeah. within the industry. <laughs> That's like uh, we, we met with Jeremy Cowart like when we were doing it at PPE. And let's be honest, for our industry, he's one of the top, you know, one of the, like the Rolling Stones, right? And he yeah, laughs and we go, what's it like when you go home? He goes, are you kidding? He goes, I'm here. It's great. Like you're like a rock star. You're getting stopped every you know couple feet. You're asking for you know, people to take a picture and all this stuff. And it's, it's great. But when I go home, I'm just, no one knows who the hell I am. Like, I can go grocery shopping. Which is really and, refreshing. Yeah. I think. Yeah. He's like, so for me coming here, it's always, like you said, a bit refreshing and it's a bit change of pace because literally outside of this, no one knows who the hell I am. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, I prefer that. He goes, but it's, uh, so it's, it's fun, always fun to come out here and see, you know, your friends and other colleagues and that kind of stuff and, and have that experience. Yeah. So it's nice conversely, to have that distinction too. Exactly. Exactly. So conversely, what would you say is your biggest regret in your career? Hmm. So I would say honestly that I don't really have any huge regrets. Sometimes I struggle with seeing friends that I made early on that chose the path of like seeking sponsors and traveling the world and doing workshops and stuff mm-hmm. versus the settling down and making their own thing path. Right. But I think we always wish we had what we don't have. Right. Um, yeah. Grass is always green. Human nature to fall into. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't bother me as much as it used to. But sometimes on social media, I'll see like, for example, um, Lindsay Adler, the first mm-hmm. time we both taught was at an after dark in Las Vegas, or at least that's the first time we both were in the same arena, kind of starting around the same time, both mm-hmm. very fresh. And she's gone on to do amazing. 
Um, right. And I'll see her posting like, I'm in Dubai in the desert shooting these beautiful people with flowy dresses. And I'm like, dang it, I'm in Ames <laughs> with a crying baby. Yeah. But at the same time, I made my choices and I'm committed to them and I'm right. content with them. Yeah. I think that's just something the internet does to us. And I'm really oh, yeah. happy for her. Yeah, um, yeah. No, we, we, we so sometimes her. when I yeah. catch myself having that type of regret, I have to stop and catch myself and reground myself right. in reality and why I made the choices I did and why I'm content with that. Yeah, and you said it. It's uh, it you know we 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 saw her at at, at WPPI and she was speaking at a couple Canon things, um, and all that. And I've no, I've known her for years and seen her career grow, like you said. And it's yeah, it, it like you said, it, it's always easy to essentially with social media view all those other things going on. Like we talked to uh, again Jeremy about it, and he said he said he has those moments with Chase Jarvis. He's like, I see this guy, you know, hanging out helicopters and doing all these really cool things and taking these pictures. And I realize that's his highlight reel. Like, that's not his every day, you know? And and mm. once you get over that and say and say to yourself, like, I have cool things going on too. And, and we're all just humans, you yeah. know. We have the same insufficiencies, the mm-hmm. same desires. I don't think we're as different from one another as we present to the world on the right. internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that could be a whole other whole other show on that topic of yeah. you know the the sociological effects of of what you know social media and stuff like that has done with the people um all right so we're gonna go this last question is going to be uh kind of testing of what all your last responses have been so if you couldn't share your work with anyone would you still shoot that's an interesting question mm-hmm. um I would like to say yes, but I think if I was going to be completely honest, the answer would be no, because I would probably try and find a different outlet that Mm -hmm. would allow me to communicate with people. Just like I kind of touched on earlier, Mm -hmm. I think all the validation and creation comes from people reacting to and enjoying what you create. Yeah. Um, So what's the point in grinding your gears if it's not making a difference in people's lives, I guess? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably find something more productive to do with my time because yeah. it, it would be pretty selfish of me to shoot a lot if there was no, no, it wasn't experience. Yeah. Especially no, in my sure. situation with a family, like my main priority would be to provide. So I would do something else that would, right. unless I was still getting paid to shoot and I just wasn't allowed to share the images outside of the clients or something, I would totally do that. But I'm assuming you mean no one in the world will see what I'm <laughs> yeah, creating. Pretty much, like like one person said, oh, it would be like if you recorded the the most um, if you're a singer and you recorded the most amazing, uh, you know, track and you had to delete it, like you couldn't take it out of that room, like you had to record it and that was it, and you couldn't share it with anyone outside of that room. So, is there any probability of? being a Vivian Meyer and like dying and then someone finds my storage unit and then everyone enjoys my work after I'm dead. Cause in that case I might still do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like, um, you, like most, most, most painters, right. You're not huge until you've died. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's a <laughs> shitty, that's a shitty feeling. Couple. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, listen, Dan, thank you for taking the time out and, uh, and sitting with us and, and chatting. So my where pleasure. can people check out your stuff and learn more about what you do? Uh, so my website is mclanahanstudio.net or .com. Mm-hmm. They redirect Instagram. I guess all my social media feeds are off of there. Mm-hmm. And the one I use the most is Instagram. But I'll give you a forewarning that a lot of what's on there right now is my daughter. <laughs> I, I try and make I'll some think, cool I'll pictures think anyone my you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's where the most recent work goes. I kind of gave up on Facebook since they changed all the algorithms and you have yeah. to pay to boost crap. and Yeah. You know, yeah, I know Instagram's kind of starting to go that way too, I think. But yeah, well, what do you expect when Facebook's on the bottom? (laughs) It was only a matter of time. Uh, Next year, Imaging USA, my -hmm. wife and I will be teaching on our senior workflow. And then I'll also be teaching at Sync next spring, which is the Seniors and Youth National Conference. It's kind of like the biggest senior exclusive workshop get together in North America. So nice. Definitely I've heard it's out. very cool. I haven't been to it, but I have friends that rave about it. So I'm looking nice. forward to that. All right, cool. So if you dig what I do and you want to learn, come hang out. For sure. 
So last but not least, who's someone that you would like to hear us talk to on the show? So the, someone that really fascinates me, especially with his philosophies about mm-hmm. the craft, is Parker Fister. How do you spell his last name? Hang on. I'm going to Google it. I think it's P-F-I-S-T-E-R. Uh, my web browser is not working. Well, I'll look it up. There's no worries. Yeah, so Parker J. Fister, and he, in my opinion, his wedding burke is the best I've ever seen, and he's captivated me since the first time I saw any of his images. And now he's kind of doing fine art and working in the fine art world, nice. and he still shoots a lot of high-profile weddings and does a lot of film stuff and wet plate stuff, and he's mm-hmm. just an artist awesome. in the truest sense of the word. So yeah. I think he'd have a lot of deep thoughts to pontificate awesome. about you so definitely definitely all right well dan again listen thank you so much for taking the time out and uh congratulations again on your on your newest daughter and uh, hopefully we'll uh we'll talk again soon all right have a good one take care so guys if you're curious about using borrow lenses you'll be happy to know all of their gear is tested calibrated reset and cleaned after every order They accept major credit card and most debit cards, and the majority of orders they process do not require a deposit. They love it when their gear gets to travel worldwide, but you have to promise to share some photos when you get back. Remember to visit borrowlenses.com and enter AM10 to redeem your exclusive 10% Angry Millennial discount.